thank you. We're, thank you, Kara. Thank you for always trusting us to teach on relationships, marriage, family. And we are a blended family. We um, have four adult children now. And thank you, Jesus, that they're all grown and we made it. I mean, we still have our challenges, but for all of you who are raising children, we're praying for you. <laughs> because it's not easy, right? But today, we are going to be talking about husbands and wives and recognizing the uh, role that you play in your marriage. And what I want you to remember is we're not talking about um, the physical role. We're talking about the posture of your heart, the attitude of your heart that you take into your marriage. And God designed it where husbands are to lead the family. And women are to come alongside. But women, don't let that be something disheartening because we're great. We are great. And God designed us to be so great. Right, Bob? He did, huh? Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So I just want to say this, though, before we start. Well, I just want to say I am grateful because I look around this church all the time, and I am grateful for the strong men in our church. We have amazing, strong men in this church who aren't afraid to be outstanding in godly character. And that's amazing for us because, let me tell you, the world would say different. The world would tell us that we don't have to listen to men, right? But we need to um, just praise our men because family, church, and society, we thrive when we have strong, upstanding men. Yeah, you should clap for yourself because it's so true. Yeah, it's good and it's healthy. Jesus said it's good and it's healthy. Um, but yeah, along with that, women, I want you to know, though, we are just as important because God created us to be strong, capable, and very influential in the lives of our husbands, our children, and eventually you. Okay. All right. He said knock myself out, so I will. <laughs> husbands, children, and anyone around us, we are very influential, right? So the thing is, God created us all differently, though, right? He created our strengths and our attributes and our characteristics to really compliment our husbands. And we need to view it like that. That's what I mean by the posturing of the heart. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I want to tell you this. The Bible says this. The strength or the integrity and strength of a virtuous woman transforms her husband into an honored king. But the wife who disgraces her husband weakens the strength of his identity. That's big, right? That's so big. Women, we need to speak highly of our men. We need to encourage them. We need to praise them. And we need to show them that respect that they deserve. If you're a man, you should be clapping because I'm telling some good stuff here. <laughs> it 
you. It frees the men to be who God created them to be. And that's what we want. We want our men to be everything that God created them to be, right? We want them to level up and be what God said that they should be and reach their godly potential. So important. So important. Bob's My gonna, turn now? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Bob's going to talk now. <laughs> yeah, so um, like, like Ronnie said, we're going to be talking about um, roles in the household. And we might ruffle a feather or two, perhaps, um, maybe. Um, but at the end of this, I think that we'll all agree that um, just hearing the truth, um, not Bob or Ronnie's truth, but God's truth, is going to be very freeing and very uh, inspirational, we hope, we believe. So putting it real simple, God created men to lead. Um, he also created men to be strong. And wives need to be led by their husbands. Children need to be led by their fathers. Um, the churches need to be led by men. Don't get mad. Relax. Hold on. Uh, a church is a church family, okay? A church family needs a head of this household, of this family. God said that's to be a man. Like, it doesn't mean anything against women. Women teach. We have a fantastic pastor, right? So many women in here share and teach and and, and preach in this church, in this, in this body. And that's important, and that's, that's very vital. But the head of the household should be the man, right? Um, women are the support system for the men. They, uh, they obviously have a huge role. There's, there's no mistaking about it. We're not in a, in, in a family dynamic. We're not... 60-40, 70-30, 50-50, we're 100-100, right? But the roles are just different. The man is there to take full responsibility for the family. That's not the woman's or the wife's responsibility. That's the man's responsibility. You know, yeah, she's going to raise the kids. She's going to help raise the kids. The man's going to help raise the kids. All of that is still a 100%, 100% effort. But it, the responsibility falls on the man for the strength, the security, and the safety. Um, you know, when we talk, you, I think it's ready, you're ready to go now. Yeah, go for it. He said, okay. So I just wanted to say this. <laughs> I wanted to say this. If you're a single mom or even a single dad, we honor that too. Because you have a tough job. You have to play both roles. You are mother and father. You play the man and the woman. You are in charge. And God is with you, and God's with all of us. But we have to honor that because you work very, very hard. And so we want to just say that. And once again, we're going to continue to say that, um, you know, it's not about my husband loves to cook and my, my wife likes to fix the car. Okay, if that works in your marriage, great. You know, that's great. But what we're talking about is the attitude of the heart. It's the posture of the heart. It's what God designed. And we need to have that instilled in us so that we're not stepping into the other person's lane. Right? I can't roll into his lane and be everything that he is because God didn't create me that way. 
he can't roll into my lane and be what he what I am. But together, together, we become complete. So that's, that's right. what we're talking about. So what's a man, right? So a man takes responsibility. A boy will skirt his responsibilities. Um, a man does what's right, and a boy will usually choose the easy route. Um, a man does the hard things so his family doesn't have to. A boy will avoid those hard things. Um, men will step up and do their best to do the right thing, and when they do fall short, they're going to take ownership of those failures and those stumbles. A boy, well, he'll make a mess and he'll wait for somebody else to come clean up after him, right? Um, a man will admit his faults, his errors, and he'll make adjustments so those things don't happen again. A boy will make a lot of mistakes, and hopefully they'll learn from those moving forward as they grow into men. Um, but ultimately, a woman doesn't want to marry a boy. Um, she wants to marry a man. And a man that will provide for her, a man that will protect her, a man that will dream with her and make her life better, lift her up. <clears throat> a man that will be assertive and take control. Uh, when a husband and a wife don't know their, their role or don't, they haven't identified their role um, or their position in the family, uh, the relationship becomes very off balance. And uh, you now may have a wife that feels like she has to take the leadership position, and a man that says, oh, well, she's doing that, so I'm just going to kick back and let it happen and be passive. Um, in that type of relationship, both parties are going to be unsatisfied. Why? Well, because the head of the household is not what women were created to be. Um, and sitting back and waiting for uh, things to take place and being passive is also everything that a man was designed not to be, right? So expectations become unmet. Um, they both start looking at other relationships for comparison, which leads to deeper, much deeper-seated issues. Um, you know, women want security in their relationships and their marriages and in their lifestyle. Um, you're up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was agreeing with you because yeah. that was really good. Oh, thank you. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, right? Women, we want that. We want all that stuff that he said. We want that. Listen, our words are powerful. And I'm speaking to the women. Our words are so powerful. And the way that we talk to our men, our husbands, our, our sons, our, even our daughters is powerful. We will either rise them up or we will put them down. And so we have to be very careful how we speak to them. Okay, because we will lift them up and make them feel like they can do anything and everything, or we will bring them down so far that they lose who they are. They don't have an identity. They don't have self-esteem. They've been so crushed and so belittled. So we as women, we carry that with us because we are influencers. We have that ability. And, you know, the world, it has... Um, it has created such a divide between men and women. Um, women empowerment, that whole feminist movement, 
okay, so, you know, yay for women. Yes, I'm happy for women, too, to be strong and proud. But I think that when you take it overboard and you start to demoralize men and demean men and say that the world doesn't need men, then that's a whole different issue. That's such a whole different issue because God didn't design it that way. When God created, he created man first. He created him first. So clearly, in the eyes of God, that was good. Right? Jump in real quick. So, you know, when we're kids, we hear the whole thing, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones. Words never hurt us. Wrong. Words have power. And even more so than somebody speaking words into your life that you start receiving because you start believing the narrative. And those can demean you, put you down, like she said, demolish your self-esteem. Even more so is our own words that we speak. Because our body responds to our own words tons more times than it does to other words. We can, we can deflect other people's words if we, if we put that defense up. But when we speak our own words over ourselves in a negative way or in a demeaning way, those words are received instantly. And so we have to be careful about our words that we speak and how we speak them. And like she said, uplifting, edifying words to everybody you come across, whether you even only like them, it doesn't even matter. You know, love them in God, like them from a distance, and speak positivity over their life because it'll change them, it'll change you too. God designed man and women, like I said earlier, so that we could come together. And when we come together, we bring our strong qualities to the table, right? And then when we become husband and wife and we're a couple, then what happens is all of God's characteristics come together and we complement one another. See, the Bible says this too. I keep saying the Bible says, but I'll give you a scripture. Genesis 2.18 says this. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. See, yep. Jesus never demand. Oh, am I doing it? Okay. Okay, go ahead then. I'll, I can save mine. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> After that, we're like, okay, we're done here, folks. Thank you. No. Um, so... <laughs> If the wife is the first person in a family to come to church, there's a 17% chance that the entire family will then come to know the Lord, okay? If a kid in the family is the first person to come to church, there's a 3.5% chance the entire family will come to church or know the Lord. But if a man is the first person to come to church or he brings his family with him, 93% of the time, entire family come to know the Lord. Now, you know, God established us men as the head of the household. So no surprise that 93% of families come to know the Lord when the, when the dad or the husband initiates that and brings his family to the church, okay? Um, also not a surprise that 17% of, of families come to know the God when the wife does because she's not wired to be the head of the household, right? She's not created to, to do that. Um, it just shows you how influential, influential a man of God is to the family, you know, and, and to the family dynamic. Um, so we're going to go to Genesis 1, uh, 26 through 28, um, 29, I guess. But, so I'm going to read this. So um, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, 
in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. So we're going to break that passage down a little bit. And, um, you know, God speaks in, in those verses about relationship, growth, and provision. And... Okay, lost my lost my place here. Um, anyway, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh, you want me to go? No. So anyway, I'm sorry. All right, I'm sorry. Covered my note up. My bad. Um, but anyway, so if we if uh, if the family dynamic breaks down, then what happens is our children end up getting out into the world, and those and they, they start learning from those influences. And they don't gain the wisdom from godly principles. Okay? Now it's your turn. Um, yeah, that's true. We start, our kids will start going out into the world and they'll start looking at other people who are going to mentor them. And you may not want what they have to give to your children. So we have to be very careful of what we do in our household. Our household is the place where our children learn and grow. So everything you do in there is going to be um, representative of how your children are going to go out into the world, right? So you don't want to leave them hanging, and you don't want to leave them left to depend on what the outside world has to give them. In um, Genesis uh 218 I was saying earlier that the Lord said it is not good for man to be alone I will make a helper who is just right for him ladies that's us we're the helper we're the one who's just right for the man we're the one who comes alongside him we're the one that gets to be the influence we get to be the person that can support and speak into his life and, um, you know, the thing is, is that being a helper isn't degrading and it's not demeaning. I mean, Jesus was a helper. So if he can do it, we certainly can. And, um, you know, to be able to carry those attributes that God had, we get the privilege and the honor of reflecting those, right? We get to be the helper. And the Hebrew... Um, I was reading this um, to, to just kind of clarify for myself, because helper to me doesn't sound so pleasing. You know, it, I mean, let's just be honest. I like to help, but it's not always just pleasing. So um, in the Hebrew, though, it means uh, one who supplies strength in the area that is lacking in the helped, the helped. Right? Well, that makes me feel so good. It's also one who drops everything to help those in need. 
help your husband in need. And it said to be a hero. We're heroes. So we're not demeaned. We're not degraded. That's like a pretty good position. You know, if I say so myself. I, I do say so myself. <laughs> so Jesus would never, ever demand our submission. He's never demanded that. He's never demanded us to be submissive. But once again, it's our willingness. It's our attitude. It's the way that our heart looks at what we have. And we say, wow, that's pleasing. That's good. Like, I have a good husband. Yep. I have... I have a really good husband. I have somebody that I want to lift up. I want to raise him to the to the godly potential. Because when I'm lifting, when the world is putting so much pressure, we can be that safe place to lift our husband up and be like, wow, you're great. You're so good. I'm proud of you. I praise you. And... And, and it goes both ways, but I'm just talking to the women in the way that we have to show that honor and that respect to her, our husbands because it goes a long way in, um, in flourishing our marriage and our home. Yes, indeed. Um, so I want to make this really, really clear. Um, a strong man is not an abusive or controlling man. Um, and if any woman has ever been abused or controlled by a man, that's 100% wrong. Um, if a man ever used his strength um, to hurt you, 100% unacceptable, and that's not a real man. Um, you know, the, the fact that he abused, that's just an abuse also of his authority and his power. He was not designed that way. That's not God, okay? Um, and for the record, if anybody here in this room has ever been abused or controlled by a man, uh, on behalf of all the strong men in this room, I apologize to you uh, because that's something that you should not carry, okay? That's um, you know, the Bible says that you were made in God by God in his image. Uh, so if God is protective and kind, a provider and a redeemer, a builder, uh, he's loving and strong, he brings justice to evil, then we should also be that as men, right? Um, you know, God brought a specific order to mankind. First, uh, he made God for relationship. God is a God of relationship. Then he gave him a job. So Adam's job was to tend to the, to the garden and cultivate it and make it, keep it clean and orderly. And then he realized he needed a companion. So he gave him a wife, Eve. So God gave him a relationship, he gave him a job, and he gave him a wife. And God created us to represent him. So he made us in his likeness and his image for relationship because he is a God of relationship. God, uh, God gave Adam a job to create character in him. He also get it uh, to give him structure and discipline. Um, these were life skills that God knew Adam was going to need um, in order to be able to survive and thrive in the garden 
uh, and provide for his family that were to come uh, and his wife. So God gave him Eve for his pleasure, but for relationship and partnership, teamwork, for them to edify one another. Uh, companionship was a good thing for Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, they had to learn to navigate life together and for each other. And what God did for Adam and Eve is beyond our, really our scope of understanding because we have all had the opportunity being born here generations and generations after, the, after Adam and Eve. We've had that opportunity to be trained and uh, to learn and to sometimes learn the hard way. Uh, bless you. Uh, but we've also learned things from others and have, ex have learned experiences from others. But Adam and Eve didn't have that opportunity. You know, everything they did for the first time was done for the very first time. So they truly learned the hard way in a lot of ways. You know, the order uh, showed man's responsibility of leadership. So now we're going to go to Genesis 3, 1 through 6. <clears throat> and that says, uh, Now the serpent was made craft, more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Uh, he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the, tree, from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from that tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will be just like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Newsflash, Satan's a liar. Okay. Satan lied about the tree in the middle of the garden. Satan said, God knows you'll be just like him. So she ate of the tree, and then she gave some to her husband, and he followed suit and ate it too. So let's ponder this for just a minute. So while Eve was talking to the serpent in the garden and getting herself into a whole lot of trouble, Adam stood by and did nothing. I got to tell you, folks, if this lady's talking to a serpent in any garden, there's a 100% chance I'm killing that conversation. Um, I'm going to let this dude know that he's got something to say. He's coming through me first, okay? And even in our home today, and she'll tell you, um, we proclaim this. You know, when I cover my family, I proclaim it enemy get away you have no right of passage over my family and if you got something to say or want some action you got to come through this guy first we don't allow it we do not allow any attack of the enemy on my family no way and we don't get attacked we don't tolerate it um you know there's just is you know the biggest thing is you have to take you have to take your position you know like, our, like the title of this message is, rise up to your role. You rise up to your role. You take command because you're the head of the household. You're not waiting for your wife. I'm not waiting for Eve here to tell the serpent to get away. That's my job. And so you take command. You take control. 
And not being controlling or abusive, like I said a moment ago, that's a different thing. But you take control of the situation and you, t you take your leadership position in the family at that moment. Absolutely. Okay, good. I I wanted to say this. Um, like we said, it's a posture of, a, of the heart. It's the attitude of the heart. And what he said is so good because when you are uplifting your husband, um, he's willing and ready to fight those fights, right? He's willing to be that strong man in your family. And um, so I guess that as women, we need to ask ourselves, am I truly helping my husband? Am I truly being that helper that I'm supposed to be? Um, am I trying to run the show? Ouch, right? Am I trying to be the boss? Do I treat him like he's one of my kids? I know these are uncomfortable questions, but they need to be asked because we have to be real, right? We have to be honest. Do I tell my husband where he can go, when he can go, and how he can do it? Ouch. I heard some little kind of little voices in there. We don't want to start a fight, but what we do want to do is bring it to the forefront, because if you're driving in his lane, and that's not to say by any means, ladies, don't think that we don't have an opinion because we, I absolutely have an opinion. Yes, we have an opinion. And you have a say. And we have a say. Absolutely. Because we're strong women, because we're powerful women, but we also know the principles of God. So you have to ask yourself these hard questions. Don't live in denial because you need to know, what am I doing in this relationship that doesn't allow my husband to take his position? What am I doing? And I'm just speaking to the ladies because that's where I can come from, you know. But, you know, Am I telling him, like, sorry, you can't go out to, you know, help friends or you can't uh, do this, that, and the other? You really need to look at these things because there's common ground. There's equality in a marriage. Um, well, Ronnie gets to do a whole bunch of stuff, but Bob, he can't do anything. He can only do it when Ronnie says, that doesn't fly in our house. <laughs> that does not fly in our house. No, but to piggyback on what she just said, too, about the women um, allowing, or not allowing, I guess, but, you know, what are the women doing to make the man not take his position? I also threw the counterpoint to that. Men, we have to look at ourselves and say, if, if, if my wife is acting in the role as the head of the household, what am I not doing? What am I not doing to make her need to be the head of my household? I need to step up, man up, and do my job, yeah. right? Protect my family. Protect her. Yeah. Cover yeah. her. She, she, it's not her job to cover me. It's my job to cover her. Right. Right? The, the Bible says this, though, uh, in Proverbs 12, 4, and I love this because it says, a worthy wife is a crown for her husband. That's pretty good. 
right? I want to be a crown. You are, baby. Thanks. Um, however, however, a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Ouch, right? Who? Oh, nobody wants to be that. But God put it in there. So, like, we have to really look at that. Women, look at your position. You're powerful. You're influential. You, you, I always tell my daughters this. This is the one thing I tell them all the time. Is, like, um, the men in our family will never put a family get-together together that if you want family events to happen, it usually comes from the women. And I try to teach them that, that it's the women in the family. Why? Because we are the ones who are going to nurture, we're going to love, we're going to be, oh, happy, love, fun. We're going to do exciting things. We're going to wear matching pajamas at Christmas. <laughs> we do. We're going to do all this fun stuff, right? And, but... You be, because you're that influential. So rise up to your role. Rise up to your role. And be that. Be that proud helper. Be that um, person who comes alongside your husband and can be a voice in his life and a voice in your family's life. But don't overstep your boundary. Don't overstep. Because once again, it's the attitude of the heart. I've heard women say, well, I'm the boss of the family. And, and some people will joke and say it because even I tell Bob, like, you're not the boss of me. But you know, Based on this, clearly I am. <laughs> Just saying. But, but, like some women truly say, like, I run my household. Okay. I, I'm not, don't be proud. I mean, like, you're taking from your husband. Can I say that? Is that okay? Is, does that hurt feelings? I hope not. I hope it doesn't offend. But, you know, if it makes if it makes us uncomfortable, we have to look inside ourselves. Yeah, so to just continue from what we were talking about a moment ago with Adam not stepping up, um, something I saw thinking about, you know, the original sin may have been eating of the fruit of the garden, right? But I think Adam actually made a mistake. His first mistake was standing passively by, right? Um, by doing that, he gave in, the enemy free reign to speak and manipulate his wife. And he had the ability and the strength within him at that point to do something about it, and he failed to do it. He chose not to. So the snake, you know, slithered in, convinced her to violate God's rule, does nothing about it. He stood by and watched it happen. That's simple. And I can't imagine me standing next to my wife and having some serpent or anybody, quite frankly, manipulate her, and I say nothing about it. You kidding me? So God, God, he didn't do what God created him to be. He failed to protect her, like I said. He didn't assert himself into that situation and lead his family. So guess what? Satan did it for him. So a few characteristics of a, of a strong, godly man. Number one is to step up, to lead, to initiate, and be a man of action. To hate apathy and reject passivity. It's your job in all areas of life. 
right? And to speak out. Your silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Fear God, not man. And speak truth in love, right? Number three is to stand strong and don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. And then to stay humble. Pride is our enemy. Don't think less of yourself, but think of yourself less. Okay? Oh, wait a minute. I got, can I finish? Okay. And then the last one is to serve God. And be an example to your family and to the young men around you as well. Okay, now your turn. Okay. So the characteristics of a supportive wife. Love your husband and children where they're at. Expectation is a disappointment. So if you want an empowered family, be an encourager. That's powerful in itself. Be willing. Be willing to honor yourself in your role and honor your husband in his. That'll create peace, harmony, and it'll build your spouse up to want to conquer the world for you and your family. Watch your words. Don't try to be the boss and treat your husband like a child. Your job is to raise him up and build him up. So quit telling him what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. That's not your job. Be kind. You know, many times we are, we come to church and we're so kind to everybody. Like I wouldn't even raise a voice at you, you know. But then we go home and we might like be so different, you know, and we're not nice to our husbands and we're not nice to our kids. But that's not how we're supposed to be. We should be the same everywhere we go, you know. And not only that, that's your family. That is the, those are the ones that love you through everything. They should get the best of you all the time, right? It's not just your church family that should get the best of you. No, it's your people that live in your home. They should get the very best of you all the time. And um, praise them. If you think, like your husband is so sexy, be like you're so sexy. You know, if you love, you doing? I don't know, if you love, you know, I don't know, if you love a hairy chest, be like I love your hairy chest or whatever. But but tell him you love, can I say that in church? Yeah, I can say that. I you always know? tell her grass don't grow on a playground. Yeah, that's what he says. And remember, and if your children are in here, we're so sorry. You are important, and what you have to say, women, are, is so important. It's so important, and it's going to bring loving results because love is really the key to everything. It's the key to everything. Be happy with what you have. Be happy with who you have. They should be the best thing in your life. And even if there's faults and even if there's issues, be happy. 
go to marriage retreats, go to um, counseling, go, go get what you need to make your marriage work. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. And on, on top of that, or to piggyback on that, do those things when there isn't any issues, when there aren't any issues. Is that right, Barbara Grammer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you know, we just went to a marriage retreat, and I think our relationship is pretty tight. And so, in my typical way, I'll, I'll tell on myself, I went, I, go, I went with two things, well, three things, her, <laughs> my on-off switch, and my volume control. Because usually, if I don't like at all what's being said, I click it off, I'm out. If I, eh, I'm tolerating it, I'll just turn it way down and pretend and fake it till I make it, right? Uh, but remarkably, I didn't need either one. And we learned so much about each other. It, it was amazing. And so it was, I don't know if this is a good thing to say or not, but it was the, less, the least churchy retreat I think I've ever been to. It was spiritual, but by leaps and bounds, but it wasn't churchy. And so if that's if you haven't been to one of those and you're kind of like, eh, I'm not going to church on a, another weekend or whatever, I'm not going to do that, you, you, you won't. But you will be spiritually fed like no other. And we like churchy, but we like less churchy too, right? So, so yeah, we're good with that. Okay, so are you still going? Are you going? Yeah, right okay. now. Okay. Okay, so... We're example setters for our children, and we set, we set examples for many other people that we come in contact with that we don't even know that we have influence on. And so those could be friends or neighbors, family members, um, total strangers, people here at church uh, that you enter, in, in, uh, engage with. Um, we never know what kind of impact we're going to have on other people. Um, so it's important that what what like she said a moment ago, how we present ourselves and how we sow into other people is, is important that we're doing it in an edifying kind of, kind of way. Um, you know, we want to be great examples f as good men and women of God for those around us, you know. And so I got a, a few questions here because we're running out of time. But um, to the men. Do you want your sons to grow up to be the type of father you are? Do you want your sons to grow up to be the type of husband that you are? Do you want your sons to treat his wife the way you treat your wife? And do you want your daughters to grow up to find a man to marry like you? And those are some, some hard questions to ask ourselves, right? And then to the women, do you want your daughters to grow up to be the type of mother you are? You want your daughters to be the type of wife that you are. You want your daughters to treat her husband the way you treat your husband. Or do you want your sons to grow up to find a woman to marry like you are? You know, our children are those that we influence the most. And we'll, they will emulate our behaviors and our actions and find mates that are very similar to who we are with the traits that we possess and the traits that we invest in them. Um, so, you know, for our perspective, you know, it's important that we are good and strong men and women of God, right? Um, and just the last thing, women, okay, so we always 
think that we have to strive to be that Proverbs 31 woman, you know? And I've always read it, and I was telling um, Pastor Kara this. I always read Proverbs 31, and I start at 10 down because it tells you everything that you should be because the Proverbs 31 woman is like Mary Poppins and Wonder Woman put together. (laughs) She really is. But I want to set you a little free today because... What I said was, I never read Proverbs 31.1, which said, King Lemuel's royal words of wisdom, these are the inspired words my mother taught me. That is mother-in-law sabotage at its best, (laughs) right? That was written by a a future mother-in-law. So that should set you free and know that there's no pressure. Just be you. Be who God designed you to be. But remember, Proverbs 31.1, that's important. I was like, why, God, have I never read that one important scripture that was written by the future mother-in-law, right? And we love our mother-in-laws. Don't get us wrong. We love mother-in-laws. But, of course, as a mother-in-law, that's what you're going to require for your son, right? Right? 